This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 94. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your co-host, Kelly Hurst. And you're also my wife. I am. And we're marriage educators. We're also co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage all the way up to the next level. Woohoo! And, and beyond. Yes. Our tip of the day continues to be this seven principles of making marriage work. By Dr. John Gottman. We're in a series. Yes, we are. So now we're going to tackle principle number six. We mm-hmm. covered the first five in previous episodes. So to review what we've covered, we talked about what? What was the first one? Enhancing your love maps. Yes, which is uh, very important. That's right. I can order for you in about 30 different Mexican <laughs> food restaurants. <laughs> Nurturing your fondness and admiration. That's also important. Turning toward each other. Turning towards each other. Physically, emotionally. Yes. Everything, yeah. Letting your partner influence you. Yes. Yes, that's a good thing. (laughs) It's a very good thing. I love when you let me (laughs) influence you. I love when you influence me. It's a mutual thing. And then last episode was kind of a part one of a two-parter, solving your solvable problems. Okay. And then today is overcoming gridlock. Yes. So we're still talking about conflict and, Uh you know, that kind of thing, but we're looking at kind of a different category of conflict. Yeah. Last week we emphasized, as you said, solvable problems. Gottman tends to put conflict into one or two categories. Mm -hmm. Solvable problems. This week we're going to be talking about perpetual problems. So what does that term mean? You know, as strange as it may sound, the majority of marital conflicts fall into this category of being perpetual problems. Mm-hmm. According to his research, on average, 69% of a married couple's conflict package, uh, these are perpetual problems that he says are not generally resolvable. Mm-hmm. Um, Which makes people gasp sometimes. Particularly in- engaged couples, premarital <laughs> couples, when we teach our Married Life Prep series, Uh, And we say that 69% of their problems are not resolved. Um, There's there's an audible gasp or two (laughs) in the room. But when we teach marriage retreats or something where there's couples that are married 25, 35 years, they hear that data, they go, yeah, that's about right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, these perpetual problems, they tend to uh, be concerned with things like personality differences, uh, your your background culturally, maybe family of origin differences, mm-hmm. uh, kind of how you're wired. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's clean, one's messy, all kinds of things, and like life experiences too. That can play a a big part in how we process information, how we see life. Definitely, and that can uh, kind of land in that perpetual category of conflict. So we're going to walk through a few uh, examples briefly of what might be a perpetual problem. This might be an ongoing issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, Meg wants to have a baby. Donald, her husband, does not. Mm -hmm. That's... Perpetual, it sounds like. And serious, yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, Walter wants sex far more frequently than Dana. I guess I'm Walter. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope Dana is Walter's wife. I hope so, (laughs) In that example. Uh, uh, Another example, Chris is lax about housework, while Susan thinks it's important and nags him. Mm. Nagging. The nagging's probably not good, no, but <laughs> that that's probably a perpetual problem for them. For sure. Because I don't know that he's going to wake up tomorrow and think, hmm, housework is my number one priority. And like you said, you don't get a lot of mileage uh, productivity-wise out of nagging. Right. How about this one? Tony's Catholic and Jessica is Jewish. How do they raise their children? Yeah, and that might even involve... Other members of the extended family. Right, right. Yeah. Or, or Angie thinks Ron is too critical of their son. How do they co-parent? And we've seen this a lot when parents, you know, they're doing their thing as parents. Things go pretty well maybe for the first 10 or 12 years. And mm-hmm. then that oldest one, that first child turns the age of 13, mm-hmm. becomes a teenager. And then... and that all chaos breaks loose yeah and then each parent is kind of reverting back to how things were for their in their family of origin situation right and then you find out how deep-rooted some of this stuff is Mm -hmm. how about this one andy never wants to go on outings with melinda's family Hmm. we hear that one a lot Hmm. yeah carmen carmen it's a toto song carmen (laughs) is ultra neat and orderly while bill is the absent-minded professor. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to change too much. Right. George is the life of the party and social settings, while Amanda is more to herself. Okay. Well, we talk about that one a lot, mm-hmm. with, particularly with couples, uh, premarital couples, when we, if we meet them one-on-one, that, that may be one of the first things we talk about, is just their basic temperament difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's more extroverted, who's more introverted. Yeah, because they're not, even though they may change a little bit through the years, they're probably not going to... The essence of their personality is not going to change that much. Right. So so what I'm hearing is that perpetual problems are things that will probably always be something you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Right. They're probably never going to go away. Yeah. And in, in, in unstable marriages, perpetual problems are... Um, doozies, you know, they they can eventually kill the relationship right. if, if the relationship doesn't have stability. Right, it's it's not because the problems themselves are so insurmountable. Yeah, uh, that it's not because they're so big. It's because instead of coping with the problem effectively and, like you said, learning how to co-manage this and communicate well uh, through these issues. Couples in unstable marriages frequently get gridlocked over it, Mm -hmm. and they dig their heels in, they have the same conversation over and over, spin their wheels, and they solve nothing. Yeah. And they just say, throw their hands up, say, it's never going to change. Right, right. So I have a question for you, Brett. How do you know if you're gridlocked over a perpetual problem or you're coping well with it? How do I know personally? Well, just, you know, in general. How do you know if a couple's doing it well or if they're just stuck in gridlock? Well, I happen to have some tips uh, that can oh, good. kind of help walk us through that. You're probably gridlocked uh, if, let's say, you have discussed this particular perpetual problem over and over and over many times and you don't feel as though you've made any headway. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an obvious clue. Yeah. Uh, also, when you become entrenched in your position, like I was talking about earlier, you've got your heels dug in and you're unwilling to budge. Yeah. And that, and in general, whether we're talking about solvable problems or perpetual problems, keeping your heels dug in is just not 
a good way to be in marriage. You're not going to grow in your marriage. Right. Because as we said in the last episode, you're not always absolutely right. Right. So I had to learn, that. you know, just because it's your perspective doesn't mean it's, you know, right. So if you, so that, I think that takes a little bit of self-awareness, you know, asking yourself, am I just unwilling to budge here? Yeah. You know, that may take a little bit of maturity. I agree with you. What else? Uh, another clue is that when conversations surrounding the problem, uh, they're devoid of humor. You know, you can't be funny. Like me, I'm funny. So We're not frequent. going there again. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, or or maybe there's no affection yeah. around it, you know. There's no softness a around. A lot of times when I'm working with a couple or even an individual and they're talking about how rough things are in their marriage and I'll kind of question, you know, well, how are things going going affection wise mm-hmm. you know is there is, is that still mm-hmm. happening even though you're really in heavy gridlock about this issue mm-hmm. uh, because one can help the other yeah and it's interesting uh, this is kind of a sidebar but uh i was talking to a woman not long ago and she was talking about how she and her husband they they have a good sense of humor together they can play together hang out have a lot of fun he she said but there's this one area that he'll kind of try to be funny about and she said and it's just an area where i'm really really sensitive and i don't think it's funny mm-hmm. and so she was like so which does it need to be she said, does it need to be, he needs to be sensitive and not go there? Mm-hmm. Or does it need to be, I need to develop a thicker skin and realize he's just joking around? And I said, really, it's both. Yeah. You know, because he does need to understand that's triggering for you or for it's sure. a little hot button. And you need to have the enough healing around it at some point right. that you can go, he's not meaning anything by that. He's just having fun, yeah. you know? So it's like a mystery. It's it's both of those things. Yeah, tightrope that yeah. you're walking. Yeah, the phone ringing and the message that's coming, we're just going <laughs> to ignore that. Uh, another indicator that you're probably uh, gridlocked is the the problem really is a sore subject, you know, meaning that it's it's led to bitterness, resentment, hurt, kind of like the example you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't even have light moments about it, yeah, uh, then that's that's probably really serious. Yeah, and we've had couples say to us, you know. This one area that we are gridlocked on, or whatever language they use, they'll say we can't even talk about it unless some a third party's in the room. Right. Well, then you know you are really in gridlock if yeah. you can't even sit down and have a conversation that's not heated or not. Um, so no, that's a good interesting. point. So how do you overcome this? You know, the goal in ending gridlock is is not necessarily to solve the problem because again, Gottman says based on decades of research that. Quite often, these perpetual problems cannot be solved. Mm-hmm. They usually can't be solved. Mm-hmm. So to get more productive, you want to move from gridlock mm-hmm. to respectful dialogue. Right. You know, where you're both communicating well, you're both able to hear each other. You know it's your thing, mm-hmm. but it's okay. We yeah. are, every couple has their perpetual problems. Right. Every couple does. Right. Say that about three or four different ways here. <laughs> um so to do that, you've got to first understand the cause of the gridlock, what's, uh-huh. what's got you butting heads with each other. So you do that by kind of reviewing the backstory, what got us to this point. Mm-hmm. Gottman talks about this being a, what he calls a dream detective. Right. 
I, and I think what, what I understand him to mean by that is exploring the backstory, yeah. exploring the why. Why do you feel this way? Why mm-hmm. is this important to you? You know, so many couples get caught up in just focusing on why they view their own perspective the way they do. Right. But they're not willing to go, to ask the other person, okay, Tell, tell me everything. You know, Gottman's really interesting. He says, you know that you're really a great listener when you can say to someone, that's interesting, tell me more. Mm, I want to hear more about yeah, that. Yeah, I want to hear more about that. You know, and and sometimes we dig our heels in before we have even heard the why of the other person's perspective. And this whole idea, I call it being a, an interviewer. Mm-hmm. like a, Thinking like, like an interviewer. Like a feature, mm-hmm. um, somebody that would do the cover story on a magazine or something like that. What's so important about this is not only how effectively it kind of breaks down the walls between couples in gridlock, Mm -hmm. uh, it's also just a great way to gain more intimacy in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's always the goal Mm -hmm. with married couples. And so many times married couples learn about each other's stories and they find more compassion when they understand those stories. Yeah, right. So, you know, one of the examples we were reading just a minute ago was, you know, the uh, wife thinks the husband's too hard on the kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could be that she had a harsh parent. Yeah, there's a story. Yeah, there's a story as to why that triggers her so there's much. There's a wound. Yeah. yeah. And I'm betting that if the husband knew that story and what all was involved in that, mm-hmm. he might be more understanding, be more compassionate. Mm-hmm. You just can't lose mm-hmm. when you know the story and when you're interested in in the other person's perspective. Yeah, it would, at the very least, it would give him insight into how to be more respectful in the dialogue and yeah. you know, difference. So there's, there's no way that it wouldn't be a plus. Yeah. So... Okay, so gridlock, even though we may never see eye to eye on a particular problem, we can at least better cope with it, like you said, mm-hmm. by discovering compassion for mm-hmm. one another. A lot of that can happen in going through that backstory. Yeah. Next time that you have a conversation that deals with conflict, be open to that. Be yeah. open to asking why this is so important to your spouse. You might actually stumble across something that you never knew about your spouse. That could really change your paradigm on it. Right. As we said before, when you have more compassion, you tend to respond with more respect. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're a sociopath. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, too, you know, uh, a lot of the examples we were reading before and and the examples I think about, not every... uh, most perpetual problems don't really have a compromise or a simple solution. Right. So I'm thinking back to a couple that we knew who uh, he had been offered a job out of state Mm -hmm. and she had just started a great job here Mm -hmm. and they were newly married. They didn't have children yet and they were going to have to make a decision. Do they go and chase this dream of his? Do they stay where she was very happy? Mm-hmm. And um, they ended up going to the job that he had been offered in another state. They've It's been a great decision. Mm-hmm. They've been super happy. But here's something to consider, because because not every decision has a compromise. Right. Some, one some person's going to... Some decisions are genuinely binary. Yeah. One person's going to, quote, win or get his way or her way, and the other person... I always say to the person who's, say, surrendering or uh-huh. you know giving up their whatever, right. make sure that you are all in 
Right. Because if that decision turns out to be a bad one. Moving away or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's so not helpful to come back and go, see, we should have done it my way. Yeah, I was right all along. Yeah, if you just listened to me, da-da-da-da. As a married couple, there are some things you've just got to go all in together. Right. And whether it's good or bad, we're going to face the you know music or we're going to do this together. And I would say the only way you and I are able to be all in on so-called binary decisions like mm-hmm. we're talking about, we're only really one way is the way mm-hmm. that we're going to You have move. to pick one or the other. Yeah, exactly, is to walk in the Spirit and mm-hmm. let God reveal enough of what He wants us to do to just trust and yeah. just go forward, which is, you know, it's, it's really important. Yeah. So Gottman talks over and over through his career, really, about uh, what he has discovered and has now called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And I just want to briefly run through those before we wrap up. Uh, These are things to to just be thinking about as you're working through um, perpetual problems. Mm -hmm. Criticism is definitely one of the four horsemen. He makes a distinction. He says a complaint only addresses the specific action at which your spouse has failed, but a Mm -hmm. criticism is more global. It's more mm-hmm. all-encompassing. It's more negative. Mm-hmm. You know, it adds uh, more negative words, uh, more direct attacks on your mate's character or their mm-hmm. personality. Yeah, criticism is really an, a character assassination. It's a killer. A complaint is just I'm not happy with what happened. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. We're all going to have complaints. Yeah. From time to time, uh, but but criticism is getting personal. Mm-hmm. Contempt is another one. It's the worst of the four horsemen, some say. It's poisonous uh, because it conveys disgust. A lot of times if we meet with couples for the first time and they're in this state, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning to to try, Mm -hmm. attempt, if we can, with God's help, to see if we can regenerate some of the good or warm feelings that they ever had for each other. Right. And as we've talked about before... Sometimes the, the contempt is so deep that they've completely rewritten their history. They can't even remember yeah. what that, that was like. Right. And so if you're in that state where you can't even remember, get some outside help. Have somebody walk you through how to rekindle that kind of kindness from one another. Yeah. So, again, just to wrap up the state of uh, being contemptuous, you know, sarcasm, cynicism, those are types of contempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Name calling, eye rolling, sneering, mockery, mm-hmm. hostile humor. <laughs> I never do any of this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, another one of the four horsemen is defensiveness. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Problem's not me, it's you, mm-hmm. or I didn't have anything to do with that. It's, it's basically just not taking any responsibility. It's putting up shields and guards and uh, just really kind of ending the conversation right. um, because you feel attacked. You're trying to self-protect, mm-hmm. but you're not really being uh, fair in the conversation. And you're not being productive. Yeah. So it's not a good thing. Yeah. I think defensiveness is probably the most common uh, things we do when we're in conflict. Because no one wants to feel attacked or blamed. or Right. And it creates no productivity yeah. whatsoever. You, you just don't move forward. You're just You stay stuck. And then finally, stonewalling. We've talked about this um, many times before as well. This is disengaging from an argument because you feel like you can't win. Mm-hmm. Now, we've made this distinction several times before. You, It's okay to disengage if you feel flooded mm-hmm. or you're emotionally, in that particular moment, not able to continue the conversation because 
it's not going to be productive because you're emotionally um, overloaded. Overloaded. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, but uh, but when you're disengaging because you feel like you're not going to win, and so this is just an intentional mm-hmm. uh, ejection seat. You know, yeah. like oh, I'm just out because uh, I don't have to take this. I don't have to know, take this exactly. That's that's not moving towards one another. Right. Right. Uh, and it's not always the case, but it is more common with men than it is with women. Hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it certainly can be true both ways. Well, that is... A little, a light conversation about... <laughs> perpetual <laughs> problems. Perpetual problems. But I, but this has been very helpful to me personally and professionally to be able to identify, oh, this is something we can solve and versus this is something that may sort of be with us for a long time. Yeah, I would say our perpetual problems have... Made it into a few decades now. <laughs> and a few podcasts. And a few podcasts, that's right. But you're such a good sport about it. So well, we've knocked out <laughs> that we've knocked out the first six principles. So folks, join us next time as we take tackle that uh, seventh and final Gottman principle. For, and it's a good one. For making marriage work. Well, I can't wait. Yes. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriage to the max.org also you can follow us on various social media facebook twitter we hope that you will keep listening it matters please yeah <laughs> it matters the reviews help the rating of, of the podcast on itunes yes. is great we'd also like to give a special shout out to our engineer grant supak he's our audio magician thank you grant yeah thanks grant you always uh, help us sound a little better and somehow <laughs> you make no it no small task that's right somehow <laughs> you make it sound like we know what we're doing well anyway thanks for listening and until next time remember healthy marriage healthy world god bless y'all